This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host, our dad, Ryan Scott. Welcome back, Big Ed Idea listeners. Welcome back to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Uh, yeah, this is Ryan Scott hailing from the rainy and dreary and definitely not May weather of Western Kentucky. Um, I am super pumped today to welcome one of the OGs of my PLN. Uh, met this guy like right in the early days of the COVID pandemic when a group of guys kind of got together and we really leaned on each other during COVID um, when we were really isolated at, at that point. And I really got to know this guy and we we got involved in a lot of the same education circles. So I'm super excited to welcome Mr. Alex Valensic to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know why I never had him on uh, prior to this. So I'm really excited to welcome Alex because Alex is an educator. He's a former small business owner. I'm very interested in that. A Boy Scout leader a volunteer drug prevention specialist, and a geek of all things. Love that about him. He is currently the professional learning coordinator for Freeport School District 145, uh, which he, he affectionately says, home of the pretzels, and a Teach Better ambassador with the teachbetter.com crew. And Alex hails from Northwest Illinois. So without further ado, Alex Welcome, finally, to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Thanks for having me. You know, Ryan, I got to say, before going further, this is one of the few times being on a podcast where I haven't listened to every single episode. I'm about okay. a year behind, okay. so I'm working my way through there, but okay. right now I'm hovering in like the April 2022, so getting okay. caught up, but I haven't okay. heard all of them yet. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I, I actually just sat down the other day and um, I have now recorded a hundred episodes over a hundred episodes of the big Ed idea podcast. Um, and you were with me in the very beginning uh, with a, a, a group of guys, group of ladies um, that would get together. Was it Tuesday mornings? I think it was Tuesday mornings on the teach better mastermind. We, we do these cool little zooms where we would talk for an hour and I don't know about you, but that really kept my sanity during a really crazy, crazy time. Yeah, for sure. That was during that time is when I took, stepped into my first. That's right. Yeah. Official, like my first official administrative role, because the role I have in my district, which we'll get into, it's not actually an admin job, but I was selected to be one of our summer school principals. Mm -hmm. So I was definitely going to that group like every week was just like, you guys, you got to help me. Like, you know. I thought I knew what I was getting into, but there's a whole <laughs> lot of stuff that I've never done before. Yeah. But I think you all helped me get through it. So that learning curve was not nearly as steep for me as it would have been for others. So really yeah, grateful for that crew, even though, you know, the crew's changed a little over the years. The schedules have changed, but 
it's a good group of people. It is a good group of people. And you know, man, the, the number one thing that I learned during that time was how beneficial it was to have a uh, professional learning network or professional learning family. Um, because you, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes in our, in our areas, we get pretty isolated and, um, it's nice to be able to branch out and, and listen to other people, other people's perspectives from literally around the world. Yeah, for sure. That's an, yeah, getting that global perspective and realizing that a lot of the challenges we face here, people are having them in other places oh, too. Yeah, so yeah. I can yeah. tell teachers, right? Like teachers are like, oh, there's this big problem in our district. I'm like, yes, it is a big us problem too. in our district, <laughs> but it's worth noting it's a big problem everywhere. It's not right. just us. So right, right. But right, that's yeah. kind of Definitely, reassuring. Man. Definitely. It, it really is. And and before we go further, I just got to tell you, um, I have really, um, since the first time I met you, I've been jealous of you. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've been jealous of that head of hair that you've got. Um, I don't share the video for these things, but if you are listening, you've got to look at the show graphics because Alex has one awesome uh, head of hair. Yeah, it's it's all natural. <laughs> I, I get asked it all the time. Uh, students don't always ask it the most tactful way. And sometimes yeah, I get yeah, a right. little annoyed with it. Like I get asked a lot, like, is that your real hair? Is that a wig? And I'll just yeah. look at them and be like, why would you ask them with that question? Right. But I'll have adults who are just like, I have to ask, is that like your natural hair? I'm like, yes, I have this natural thick curly hair. <laughs> I'm, in so I'm somewhat in denial of the fact that it's mostly gray. I, in my mind, I have thick, dark brown curly hair with a few streaks of gray. And then people are just like, no, dude, your hair is gray. And actually, at the Teach Better conference last year in October, CJ Reynolds was there. And he wanted to get a picture with me and someone else who I don't remember who it was. But he's like, these are like the three guys with like the coolest gray hair in the conference. I was like, okay, I guess I got to accept the fact that I've got gray hair. <laughs> That's right, man. Because um, as somebody whose hair has uh, thinned out over the years, um, be lucky, man. Be lucky you got that big bushy head of gray hair <laughs> yeah and i don't think it's going to go anywhere although i have voluntarily have have had it shaved off three different times as incentives for schools there we go that that was really fun and then like watching i'd actually dock me i took a picture of my hair every single day as it grew back and made like oh, a time-lapse wow. video of it so that was fun that is cool that is cool okay so alex um you know, the, the first segment I always like to get into is just the model that connections before content piece that, um, you know, that we know is so important in our classrooms. Now, I do already know you a little bit, so I've I've really had to dig deep for some uh, getting to know you questions. So my first one that I'm really excited to hear is, have you ever had a nickname? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, I've had a lot of them. Some were really goofy. Um, I think I have I have 20 nieces and nephews and one oh, of them was younger. Like, yeah, the, the nickname hasn't stuck, but I definitely had a nephew for about a year or so refer to me as Uncle Pickle Noodle Face. <laughs> no idea at all where I'm it writing from. that down. <laughs> it was just kind of like out of the blue. My brother and sister-in-law were just like, oh, by the way, Jack's decided to call you Uncle Pickle Noodle Face. And we don't know why. And like That's, they, they live halfway across the country. So, but no, I, actually, I think the most enduring nickname I've had was given me by friends of mine in Australia. They, they called me the Alexpedia because they said they oh. could get answers from me 
faster than if they just Googled it because I just know stuff. So that that's kind of been the the enduring nickname is I, Alexpedia. The, the Alexpedia. I love that one. Okay. And, and that one might find its way into the show notes. I'm just, just saying. Um, my next question, Alex, if you were suddenly the ruler of Alex land, so like this fictitious country, um, what would be the very first law that you would introduce? Yeah, it's a deep one. Yeah. I feel like there's some things that are just going to be like already generally accepted. So it'd be like, what's the law? It's going to like change things. Right. And I'm going to go with, because it's been on my mind so much for the last several years is no interest on loans. Mm. None at all. Because I've seen firsthand and also lives of so many family and friends. It's like, you, you take out some loans, you pay them off, you pay them, and years later, somehow you owe more money than you started <laughs> yeah. with because of the interest. So I'd be like, you know what? No interest on any loans. We're just going to get away with interest completely. So I think all of the educators that are listening to this podcast are now going to move to Alex land. Um, I don't know about you, but I am still paying for an undergrad and two master's degrees, and that interest is no joke. So... Thank you, Alex. We I will be packing my bags, moving to Alex land shortly. All right. I'll have a house ready for you. Sweet. Okay. Because I'll, I'll tell you, that'll be the second one is people can move in and have houses together for any reason. It's like friends want to like chip in and just buy a house together. Go for it. Right on. Like, yeah. Why not? Why not? Okay. So Alex, what question did you bring to the table tonight? Okay. So the two questions are related to each other. Okay. So the first one is, I'm really interested to know, you know, teachers, we sit through so many meetings where we have icebreakers, and we always get asked, like, what's the most interesting fact about yourself? So I'm curious to know, Mr. Scott, what is your go-to answer to that terrible icebreaker question of <laughs> what is the most interesting fact about yourself? Oh, gosh. Okay, other than the fact that I'm not interesting at all. Um, the most interesting thing about me, um, okay. And so when you say interesting, maybe, okay, maybe I'm going to flip that to surprising. Um, I, I really have really bad imposter syndrome. Um, I do a really good job of masking that, but I'll, I'll tell you in my heart of hearts, imposter syndrome is always talking to myself. Um, and it, it, and, and, and it's a struggle. So I would say, other than not being interesting at all, I would say, um, surprisingly, I struggle with imposter syndrome. All right. Yeah, I don't think I would have pegged that with you. I mean, I think everybody in leadership roles probably has it to some degree or another, yeah. just because yeah. it's like the, like, you know, sometimes I think about myself, I'm like, wait, I'm like 40 years old. Like, I'm one of the old guys on campus now. But in my mind, I'm like the new guy and the young one. It's like, why are people asking me? Like, yeah, I get it. So, yeah, I, I think it's part of that. So, all right. Well, so here's the I came across this. I think it was something that a teacher shared on Facebook. Maybe it came across on TikTok or something, but it's flipping that question. What is the least interesting fact about you? In other words, <laughs> like, what's the most boring fact about you that you oh. could come up with? Okay. The most boring fact about ryan scott um 
my wife picks my clothes out. <laughs> and here's why, because I'm colorblind. Um, I'm, I'm really badly colorblind. So it, it every day for 15 years now, um, I have got every night I have got my clothes together and my wife knows here I come holding up an outfit and she either gives me the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Um, and, you know, she could she's a good sport because she could totally send me out the house um, and something like in, like crazily not matching. But she never does that. So I would say the least boring thing about or least interesting thing about me is that I am fashion stupid. So I'm curious as a follow-up to that because your wife doesn't, <laughs> I, my high school physics teacher was also totally colorblind. Okay. We always knew the days when his wife was out of town for like a business trip <laughs> because he would show up to school wearing outfits and would just be like, Mrs. Rao's gone today, isn't she? Yeah, and he's right. like, yeah, how did you know? And we're like, Mr. Rao, those clothes do not go. So does she pick out the outfits in advance if she's going to be gone? No, or no, because, because I have, pretty much memorized, you know, some things that match. Oh. Um, but it's funny when we met, um, like all I ever wore were like khaki cargo shorts and um, like t-shirts. Cause, it, and that was about it. That's all I ever wore back in the day. So yeah, I've branched out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you're <laughs> never going to have to worry about the clothes clashing in that case. Like, no. Right, yeah. like everything goes with khaki. <laughs> and that's why I did it. That's why I did it. Yeah. Okay, so Alex, enough about me um, and, and enough about, you know, the backstory of who this Alex guy is. Um, we know Alex is 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 affectionately called the Alexpedia. Um, or, you know, if you really want a laugh, we can call him Uncle Pickle Noodle Face. Um, but... Outside of that, let's dive into this education piece because, I mean, I would hope that's why people push to play. Um, but your origin story, I love finding out the origin story of educators because it's they're so diverse. Um, but, but what I've found over 100 episodes is normally they fall into two categories. Either um, they knew they wanted to be it from a very early age. Or it was a complete um, and utter, like, no way they would have ever seen themselves as an educator. So, um, Alex, what is your origin story? Well, I am, I don't know if I'd say it in early age, but early-ish. So, okay. um, when I was really young, uh, I think I had aspirations to be an, arch an architect. That's what my Ooh. mom tells me. Like, I actually don't remember that at all. And she okay. gave me grief one time when I like left that detail out in an origin story. She's just like, no, you wanted to be an architect when you were in like early elementary. I'm like, oh, okay. But okay. when I was in fourth grade though, that is when I made the decision that I was going to be an elementary school teacher and specifically that I was going to teach fourth grade. I had my fourth grade teachers just completely changed my view of what school could be for so students. Cool. Like, I mean, it's, like, I remember my kindergarten, first, second, and third grade teachers, but I honestly don't really remember any of the things we did yeah. in those classes. Right, right, But right. in fourth grade is, I was part of a program was funded by the Krista McAuliffe Foundation. It was called oh, wow. the Classroom of Tomorrow, which back in the early 1990s was this very innovative approach. We had fourth graders and fifth graders in the same class together. 
there wasn't looping, but we were just, it was two grade levels in one class. Sure. We were exposed to both the curriculum and there was a lot of what we call today project-based learning. Okay. Maybe that's what my teacher called it back then, but we never heard that term. But right, right. just lots of like self-selecting groups working together. And throughout that year, my classmates all the time would want to work in groups with me to have me help explain the work we we're doing. And it was amazingly not, they wanted me to do the work. They wanted me to help explain it. They're like, Alex, you are really good at explaining these things. And that's like planted the bug. And yeah. I was like, you know, I'm going to be a fourth grade teacher. And I went through and initially I had this idea that I was going to be that super old guy teaching a fourth <laughs> grade classroom, like in his nineties and just like- In a cardigan. Drop, yeah, in a cardigan. And just right. like drop over dead in the middle of a classroom and teach until I died. Like- really kind of morbid but the idea that I was just going to stay in the classroom forever sure then after high school I did some missionary work for my church for a couple of years and I met a guy who was a half-time teacher half-time administrator and we would talk and he was like Alex you're going to be an administrator one day oh, well, he's yeah. like, I know you don't see it right now but you are so just start paying more attention to that side of it he's like the teacher side you've already got that down start looking carefully at being an admin and I was like Oh, I wonder if like what that means. So I started paying more attention. It's like, yeah, school leadership. That's something I want to do too. And I remember when I got back home, I mentioned it to my mom and she was like, oh yeah, I've been telling people for years that you were going to become a principal. I was like, oh, okay. Well, thanks mom. So, yeah. so it's like, I graduated from the University of Illinois. My wife and I had just gotten married and I needed a job and it was the summer. So I started working for a custodial cleaning company that a buddy of mine ran. And I was just like, hey, I just need a summer job. I just need some income because my wife and I just got married. I'm going to be getting a job teaching soon. I was hopeful. Started working for him. No jobs in teaching materialized. And I worked as a substitute teacher, but was also working those evenings cleaning. And the friend of mine, he was a med student. And once he started his internship, he had to sign an agreement. He would not have any other forms of employment in company. So he's like, Alex, do you and your wife want to buy the company from us? Oh, wow. So we, we bought his company. And so I was like, definitely like a detour on my path <laughs> of being a teacher was yeah. I find myself like I'm a small business owner running a cleaning company and things were going pretty well. We were turning enough profit to start paying off the company's debt that it had acquired. You know, things were going well. And then the economy tanked. Right. And when the economy tanked, we lost half of our clients in a six month period because they were like, you know, we can tell our employees to vacuum their cubicles, take out their own trash and tidy up the bathroom. Right. There, there's a lot of reasons you want to have paid custodians cleaning. Like I could definitely make that argument. But yeah. when the companies needed to cut costs, custodial services were cut and we had to end up closing the business. And fortunately, at the same time we closed the business is when I got my first job teaching full time, which was teaching fourth grade. So I was there like, I did it. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I got the dream. What do I do next? Like, okay. So after teaching in the classroom for a few years, started working on my master's degree, got my master's in educational administration and was just kind of going through that path, still teaching fourth grade, picked up a job along the way as an instructional technology specialist was applying for leadership jobs all over the state of Illinois like 
that summer, I think I drove probably like tens of thousands of miles, just going up and down the state, applying and interviewing everywhere and kind of fell into my current job in the Freeport School District, was originally hired to be the curriculum coordinator for 21st century teaching and learning, a ridiculously long job title. That was really a, my main focus was to support the implementation of project-based learning in the classroom. Oh, and full then, circle. Yeah, so we did that for a year, and then COVID happened, and there was this huge step back away from it. Yeah. Well, because, you know, yeah. yeah, we just, as, as much as I was really hoping we would push forward with it, the reality uh, realities of what families had accessible, what teachers were able to do, we just, we had to take that step back. And then post-COVID, my assistant superintendent wanted to move my job focus from the 21st century teaching and learning to professional learning, which is why I'm now the professional learning coordinator for the Freeport School District. And, Very you know, cool. I said, yeah, I put it in my like bio to go pretzels. And we always, you know, we flash the pretzel sign because we're proud of it. We're the pretzels. So Are I know you, so your desk can't see that, but. Is your mascot seriously the pretzels? Yes. Our mascot is Mr. Twister. Mr. Twister. He is a pretzel. He wears a baseball cap that says pretzels. And once upon a time, during like home football games, cheerleaders would throw little baggies of pretzels at people in the stands. Okay, I don't know that, if they still do that, but that is a very cool story. That I have never met. Well, I've never heard of a mascot being a pretzel. But hey, if it works, it works. Funny thing is there's actually another district in Illinois that are also the pretzels. <laughs> Only and, in Illinois, I guess. And I love to joke about it and be like, we're the real pretzels. But I've actually never met anyone from the New Berlin School District. And if I ever do, I'm probably going to be like, hey, I'm sorry. I've kind of been like trash talking guys, but I say it <laughs> <while it's> like. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, okay. Let's switch gears a little bit because um but i do got to say that do have to say this uh my very first four years i was a fourth grade teacher um and so i can relate fourth grade is a cool year i really enjoyed those years um but you know currently you are the director of professional development development and this episode is going to be all about your ideas surrounding professional development um as we talked before i hit the re the recording you know, I think anybody that's listened to this has been through um, some really good PD. Um, and sadly, we've probably all been some really bad PD. Um, and what I, I really like your idea, and I'm going to let you talk about that here in a second. But, you know, we are in kind of the learning business. And so I feel like we need to get this professional development thing kind of right for our teachers and, and for our employees. And so... Um, Alex, what is your big idea surrounding professional development? Well, before I get to the big idea, which is want to touch on what I think is like really the problem. Think of it as like a very global problem, sure. which is that I think that you could say globally, generally speaking, teachers hate PD because it's something that's been forced upon them. Yeah. Like yeah. even yeah. calling it professional development. I mean, right. that alone is like. I think if you were to survey any group of teachers about what they would, if they had the choice of what they could do on a PD day, <laughs> I think you would find most of them would say that they would rather use that time to grade papers, do lesson right. planning, right. changing bulletin boards if they're an elementary teacher, because those take up so much time. I think some of them would be like, you know what, I would rather watch paint dry than sit <laughs> through like 
like PD you're, that's coming from the top down. Uh, you're probably not example, lying. Yeah. Like the example I use all the time is how many times do we make our PE teachers sit through like guided reading training? I just like, talked to somebody about that yesterday. And it's just like, what we're delivering this PD that doesn't seem to actually pay attention to the needs of the teachers in the room. Mm -hmm. So the, the big idea I have for it is that one size fits all is really a one size fits none. And we need to move away from that. And we really need to be teaching adults, doing adult learning, the same things that we we're telling these adult educators they need to do with their students, which is differentiating what I call is the professional learning experience. And it's funny because I will abbreviate and call it PD, but anytime I'm saying it like out loud, it's professional learning. I don't know. I just haven't gone to the swing of calling it like PL. PL, like, right. right. It doesn't sound but, as good. Yeah, it's like PD is just something we know, but it's, I mean, it's the idea of taking that professional learning and differentiating it based on the topics the teachers need and also honoring their level of knowledge, experience, and expertise on that topic. That. Uh, I remember our district, we are an AVID district. We use the yeah. AVID program and we would, on our district PD days, we would have sessions set up specifically on AVID. And I had one teacher who was like, why do I need to go to anything from AVID? I'm an AVID coach. I've been doing it for 20 years. And I was like, you know, you make a valid not, point. Yeah, uh, right. You're not wrong. <laughs> but there are things that we could do with that person or we could say, hey, you're right. Why aren't you facilitating this learning? Is it something, do we need to remove that barrier? The AVID program, they want you to get like a certain number of hours in their train the trainer mod module that they have so that you can do training. It's like, well, let's get that person in that training and you know, turn it over to them. So that's really the big idea. It's just how do we differentiate professional learning based on the needs of the teacher so that PE teacher doesn't have to sit through guided reading training. You know, the music teachers don't have to sit there hearing about the new social studies curriculum. And that's true, like, not just in elementary, but that's like across the span. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, early childhood through 12th grade. It's just meeting the needs of the teachers where they're at. Yeah. So we've, we've been trying to do this in my district and we've adopted a model that we call it, it's our branching growth model of professional learning. And we're not fully there yet, which is why to me, it's still a big idea, but we're moving there. And the idea is that we think of professional learning as having four kind of logical progressions of what we need. And our first one is the essential learning. It's the same topic delivered the same way at the same time. And the example I always use for that is bloodborne pathogen training. Sure. It's required by law. There's a reason. We all have to do it. A teacher in our district jokingly said one time, she's like, here's bloodborne pathogen training. If it's wet and sticky and not yours, don't touch it. That's right. I was like, done it too. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, right? Yeah. But we still have to go through that training because there's a legal requirement. It's a health and safety thing. But maybe the district is adopting something district-wide, and we want to make sure everybody's on the same page for it then that would be an example of that essential learning where, yeah, we're going to bring everybody together to make sure that everyone's hearing the same topic the same way at the same time to lay our baseline. But then we're going to start building from there. So our second progression is our structured learning where may we're sticking with that same topic, 
but we're going to deliver it different ways because maybe some people have had experience with it already. And may some of them, there are some teachers who really loved, we have to watch the video or listen to the podcast and take notes on their own. And there's others who want to be in a room with other people to ask questions, to bounce ideas off of each other, to dig deep. So we differentiate the way we're delivering it, but we're probably going to do it around the same time. So we'll take advantage of district institute days, those sure. in-service days, like whatever yeah. they're called, because rising we light all, all over the world. Yeah, we all do the same, like it's that same thing, but we have all these different names for it. And that's where we've really focused in my district is developing the structured learning where our district institute days are one day conferences where we'll have a keynote speaker. And then sometimes we have upwards of 60 to 70 breakout sessions over the course Love of that. the day that they're usually we've, we've done 60 minutes. We've done 90 minutes. I think 75 seems to be like that sweet spot that we're finding on finding, but it's letting teachers pick honoring their professional judgment for them to be able to say, I need professional learning on this topic, or I want to explore, explore this further, or I just want to hear what somebody else has to say about that topic. Sure. Maybe I've been doing it for a while, but I've never heard how Mr. Scott does it. So I want to learn from him and see, and maybe I go in and it's just very affirming for me. I'm doing what he's doing. I'm on the right path. Maybe yep. it's very informing because I'm like, that's an idea I didn't think about before. Right, right. But we know the professional learning it still needs to go even further than that. So our third progression is the guided learning, where we have different topics being delivered in different ways, but maybe still doing it at the same time. You could think of that. That's kind of that ed camp idea. You know, you get everyone together and they're picking the topics. They're going to learn in different ways, but they're doing it around the same time. That could also be book studies or those inquiry groups that are meeting after work on a lot of different topics. Uh, when I first came into my school district, I realized that we didn't have any kind of professional learning opportunities outside of our contract time. And I asked someone about it. It was just like, why don't we do like book studies or inquiry groups or like even Saturday workshops, like yeah. anything. Yeah. And I was told, well, nobody will come to them. And it's like, how does someone come to something that we're not offering them. Right. Like we're, we're kind of fulfilling Deficit our own writing. prophecy there. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. So I, we got a new superintendent and she actually asked me a question about that. And I told her this experience is like, well, I was told we don't do it because no one will come. And she was like, we have to offer it. If nobody comes when we offer it, then we can address that issue. That's right. So, so she gave the green light. She said, Hey, let's do this. Like, let's, you know, work with your boss. I report to the associate superintendent for curriculum instruction, came up with some book studies that were based on work we had already been doing in the district. And right now, my last count, I've got about, I think it's about 50 teachers in a district with less than 500 staff who are engaged in all these different book studies. That's great. It's like, that's, that's 10% that's of people. Like, Absolutely. I was going to be happy if I got like five people to sign up. Right. So- and it's like, so we need to offer that guided learning. And then we have that fourth progression. We're not there yet. I think we are going to get there. That's where it's truly independent learning. Yeah. Different topics, different ways, different times. It's teachers getting together and saying, we want to learn about this together. We're just going to go do it. We're going to go to a conference and come back and share with other people what we've learned. And then maybe they're going to come to us at the district office and say, hey, 
we want to go to this conference. Can you guys like, do you have resources to help help with that? And sometimes maybe we have money where we can use money for professional learning to help support that. Sometimes we can't, like, we don't promise that, you know, you come up to me and say, hey, I want to go to this conference, right? Like, yes, we're going to send you. <laughs> but trying to see what resources we can do. Sometimes they're just like, hey, we saw this book. And can you help us get a bunch of copies? And it's like, oh, yeah, we can do a bulk order for you in order to get a discounted rate. So it's those kinds of things that, to me, it's just going to change the world of professional development, professional learning, so that when teachers are told, hey, we have a district in-service day, they're not going to be grumbling about how they need to grade essays. They need to lesson plan. They need to change their bulletin boards. They want to sit in a dark room with the lights off and just decompress for the whole day. But they're going to really be excited about the opportunity to dive into professional learning. So that's the big idea. Man, I I love it. And I love the specificity of it. Um, Alex, as you're talking about this, this is really reminding me um, about that 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 old um, compliance versus commitment. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about that a lot with our students that, you know, do we want our students to be just be compliant or do we want them to really be committed to the learning? And I think what what I love about your idea is that we're we're trying to trying to get to a place um, where we 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 value the aspect that our teachers want to be committed. Um, they wouldn't be in this profession if they weren't committed to learning. But kind of like you're saying, we we have to be able to offer them the professional development that they want and they need. Um, I'm a big, I, I really have read a lot on self-determination theory lately. And, and one of the pieces of self-determination theory, which is motivation, is this, this idea of competence, that everybody wants to be competent. Um, and, and I think our educators absolutely want to be comp competent in their um, what in their world, education world, right? So, what can we do as a district to, to let them have more autonomy, um, but then also give them to, I guess, give them the freedom to learn what they want, but also pr provide some structures around that to make it a little bit easier. So, I love this four level progression. Um, and I'm going to restate these again. You've got the essential learning, structured learning, guided learning, and then independent learning. Um, and what I'm thinking here in my own mind, this independent learning could be something like you and I love to do, which is listen to podcasts. Um, there are a thousand podcasts out there. Why not let our, our teachers listen to a podcast, um, earn PD credit? Um, because you and I know there are a thousand different types of topics on podcasts that are, that our teachers could listen to. So thanks Alex for bringing this idea to the table. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, as you were saying that reminded me that I feel like maybe like the very germ of this idea came at the end of my first year in my school district, being in the curriculum department, we had a district school improvement day and our elementary music teachers were meeting and I happened to be walking past the room and one of them saw me. It's like, Alex, you can come in here a minute. I was like, sure. Yeah. What do you guys need? And I'm like, you work in the curriculum department, right? I was like, yeah. Okay. They're like, yes, I do. And they asked me a question about something. They were like, we were thinking of this thing. And I don't remember what it was they were thinking of doing. They're like, would that be okay? And I looked, I'm like, guys, you're the music teachers. Yeah, absolutely. I, trust your I was like, I trust your professional judgment. 
do what you need to do and like send me the notes and I'll like, you know, pass it on to the assistant superintendent. And one of them, he has been in this district for long enough that he actually retired and then came out of retirement <laughs> to work part time. So he's been in the district, I think now for getting close to 30 years. When I said, hey, I trust your professional judgment. He was like, hold on, say that again. Yeah, I was right. Like, and I was like, I trust your professional judgment. He's like, I think that may be the first time in my career I have heard somebody in the district office tell me that. And I was just like, wow. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and then it reminds me, I just saw the other day, someone had shared on Facebook this study that showed like 80% of leaders think that they tell their reports that they appreciate them, but only 20% of reports say that they yes. hear that they are appreciated. Yes. And it made me think, I am certain that administrators in the district have been telling teachers that we trust their professional judgment, but somehow it wasn't being conveyed in the way that this teacher was hearing it. And it made me realize if we're constantly telling them what they need to be learning, when they need to learn it, how they're learning it, are we really honoring the expertise that they bring to the room? So that's like that very first step is just telling teachers, I trust you. I'm here to support you, but I trust you what you're doing. And yes, there may be those cases where something egregious happens that we're going to have to deal with. But most of the time, like you said, we have teachers who want to be committed. Yeah. We need to give them the opportunity to show that they are committed and stop just demanding compliance for low-level tests. I, I cannot agree with you more, Alex. Um, we could go on and on about this topic tonight. Um, and and we may, but but I think it's it's probably we're at a point where we're gonna start winding down because I think you have left us with some real uh, actually a very structured, I love the idea. Um, I know there's gonna be some folks that are listening that are gonna learn, dive in a little bit deeper. And so if I've got people that are listening to this podcast, Alex, and they want to reach out to you, maybe they want to ask you some some more pointed questions on this progression. How can folks get a hold of you? No. Easiest way is to find me on any social media. I, it's really easy. I use the same handle on all of them. It's at <laughs> Alex T. Valencic. I know like the last name, not everyone knows how to spell it, but I like to say, if you start to type it in, it's probably going to direct you to me because I, I check every now and then to make sure. But last time I Googled it, I am literally the only Alex T. Valencic in the world. And you'll know you find me because it's a picture of me standing in front of my board game shelf wearing like a white bow tie. Like it's really <laughs> easy to see me. I always tell people, if you don't see the bow tie, it's not me. But that's that's my picture. So yeah, it's Alex T. Valencic on any of the social media. I love talking about this topic with people. It's I think it's it's that big idea that's so doable. Yeah. And it doesn't really even cost anything because yeah. we already have the structures in place in schools. It's just a matter of putting it into place. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. We, we, we can do it. Um, it's just a weather of a, a matter of doing it right. Um, now I would suggest Alex, if you open up another social media, um, I would try the handle, um, uncle pickle noodle face. I think that could, that would definitely go over well. Um, but Alex, man, it has been a, a wonderful evening talking to you about this professional development idea because you're right. It's, it's simple. It's common sense. So let's just do it. But, but thanks, Alex. Thanks. No, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, and I'm sorry it took us like 
literally almost, gosh, almost three years to get you on the Big Ed Idea podcast. Well, you know, I'm sure we're going to stay connected, though, and maybe one of these days there'll be a follow-up episode with it. I, so. I think, yeah, that would be a absolutely awesome time. So, Alex, I just want to tell you thank you. Uh, Big Ed Idea listeners, I want to tell you thank you for clicking this episode. As always, if you are listening um, and you got a question or, or maybe an idea of your own, do not hesitate to reach out to me. Find me on social media. Um, Twitter, Ryan C. Scott, 1981. You can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm on Instagram, Ryan C. Scott, 1981. Um, I love you guys. Thank you very much for clicking the play button. Uh, we appreciate you. And, you know, I'm going to leave you with the immortal words of my grandpa, John Janoski, um, who every single day that I would leave his house, he would say, Ryan, until next time, I will see you in the funny paper. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper. <laughs>